The Akadekagonagon Files. Featuring Thomas DJ. Hello, troops, new true freaks nation on this. Yet another day when the world seems to be dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer. I'm Tom DJ, and I'm here with my friend Marquise Harris. Say hello, Marquise. Hi. Um, and we thought we would come on and do a, another one of the, these specials. That because Marquise and I were having a discussion about race representation in comics, and I thought it would be something interesting to share with the our listeners. So um, it, it started because of somebody brought up the Black Panther uh, Aurora marriage of what was it, about 10 years ago, Marquise? Yeah, two, they got married. Um, no, it was they got they got divorced. Um, nearly 10 years ago. They got married, I believe, in like 2006, like around early 2006 they got married. Yeah. Uh, Now, now I just want to... So so you know where I'm coming from, Marquise? Uh, um, I am a big fan of the Christopher Priest Black Panther run. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the definitive Black Panther. Um, I've always felt that, that Storm deserves a place in the Avengers because, quite frankly, an Avengers team is useless without a Thunder God. <laughs> um, and I love diverse characters. I don't... Me as well. You know, you have to read about all different kinds of people and races and sexual orientations. And I'm all for it. One of my favorite char- characters right now is, uh, is the Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. Um, okay. precisely, precisely because she's so upbeat. I'm you not know? a huge fan of hers. I'm just right. not like, but I'm not, not to discredit her as a character at all. I just like, I'm not currently a big fan of Carol Danvers and her connection with Carol Danvers. is kind of like, mm. Fair me, but I do love the rep- I do love the representation. I just wish that I feel like better written characters like not saying she's not a good written character, but characters that really like change the way I look at certain people. Mm-hmm. Even like characters like Dust was a very good representation right. of a Muslim character because Dust very changed the way, especially when I was a little younger, a little bit more ignorant, mm-hmm. the way I look at Muslim women who who are a little bit more religious, a little bit more conservative in the way they dress. So, um, what was I going to say? I guess, I guess then you wouldn't be interested. You wouldn't be interested if, if I ever got the chance to write for Marvel. I wanted to write a book called Marvels, which is just Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, and Monica Rambeau hanging out. I would read just because Monica, Monica's there personally. Like, oh, I love she, Monica. Like, I love Monica, but personally, I would like my issues. My issues isn't maybe with the way I used to like uh, mm-hmm. Carol Danvers a lot, but the way certain things are written about her, like, my issue with her is that um, she has gotten at least seven number ones in the last ten mm. years to keep getting a chance, and, like, other female characters don't get that kind of 
don't get that kind of stride because Storm had a number one and they, the oh, moment man. that it started to not be so, not sell as well, they canceled hers, but they gave Carol a number one. In the movie Captain Marvel, they really delegated um, a stereotype about like they took Monica's father out of the picture, which yeah, was, yeah, I, I noticed was very inappropriate and disrespectful. Mm-hmm. My hope it, is that we're going to see in the MCU uh, that Monica's daughter will grow up and become Spectrum. Yeah, I always like that code name for her personally. That's her my favorite code name for Monica. It's better than it's better than Photon, which doesn't yeah. describe her full range. And I didn't have a problem with Captain Marvel as a a name for her. I just felt it was kind of silly that she kept giving it up to everybody. I feel like I feel like they weren't even. I thought like the way it was written, she wasn't even giving it up. She they were just taking it from her. And I feel like that's why I used to have an issue with um his name. What's Phelan's brother's name? Um, Guinness Bell. Because Gennesville oh, would constantly yeah. do like, and I'm like, mm, I, don't know, I don't know about you, sir. And that's a, that's another thing about like, like seeing it be like taking from a black female character mm. or a black character to give to a white counterpart. Well, let, let, now, let, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. You'll notice that I, I keep. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But um, like. The first time when it was just giving him the name Captain Marvel, that's I feel like that was fine because that's his father. That's his father's right. name. I feel like that's like the full time thing. I'm like, yeah, this keeps happening, and I'm gonna like, yeah, I'm gonna fall off of dealing with him as a character. Though I haven't really read much of hmm. him, it's just that that turns me off. I want I want to stick with Monica for a second here, mm-hmm. just because one, it's very rare that I get a chance to talk about her, and I love her very, <laughs> I love the character very much. To me, Monica is the Derek Jeter of the Avengers. I know you're baseball saying reference. what? Baseball reference. It's a baseball reference. Yeah. No, in that Derek Jeter began and started, he, he was defined by the fact that he was a Yankee. Mm-hmm. And I think Monica Rambeau is defined by the fact that she started her career as an Avenger and she probably will end her career as an Avenger. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of of somebody being in that position, so to speak, being kind of a fa- an unofficial face of an organization. Yeah, especially somebody like Monica, who is who is a great character. I think we both agree. <laughs> yeah, much like I think we both agree that Storm is a great unofficial face for the X Men. Yeah, Storm is like my favorite character period of every character I've ever read, seen, heard. Now, I, I, I am a very old man. So I was there when the, the first issues of uh, New X-Men came out. Mm-hmm. And the thing that struck me about Storm as a character was that they weren't drawing attention to a race. Mm-hmm. You know, the other black because there was a there was a big rush of black characters and they felt the need to put black in front of everybody's name and yeah i didn't get i don't think there's a need for that yeah yeah i still don't know why they they just after now nowadays just call black lightning lightning i guess now that the name is stuck but they didn't call black lightning lightning Maybe call or, you know, um, 
Are isn't you... that his daughter's code name though? Hmm. Isn't that isn't Lightning one of his daughter's code name? Uh, it might be. It might be. Yes, I know that that Thunder is is one. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. That's Anissa. Defense. Um. But oh gosh, now I forgot what. I, it I was know. about what you. I think you were discussing about like the fact that Storm. It wasn't a big focus on her race, it but maybe it was on, on her. Exactly, she was. And, you know, she was there, and her characterization was not defined by her race, but by her the quality she brought. Now, I have a lot of problems with Chris Claremont on other things, but but this case, I like the fact that the X Men, in a way, were kind of racially and genderly neutral for a long time mm-hmm. in that nobody was there to be a token yeah now um, i don't think storm was ever a focus on her race personally but i think like her race was very present because of uh, they're very very adamant about saying where she's from how she was raised mm-hmm. But it wasn't more like a focus on she's there because she's a race. So I I do agree yeah. with that part. I, I think there is a difference between a racial identity being part of a character and a character being a racial identity. If that makes sense. Yeah. In that um, racial the racial identity and the origin that Chris Claremont stole from Modesty Blaze and all of that is part of her identity, but it's not the only thing. She brings other things to um, to the table. As opposed yeah, she's definitely a very well-rounded, one of the most well-rounded characters to ever exist. So, and I just don't understand. See, okay, here, here's the thing I don't understand about why Storm stays with the X-Men. Because you would think if the X-Men's purpose is to create better mutant human relations that you would take Mm -hmm. the superstar model looking girl who can control the weather and and uh lend her out to the biggest team in the in the the universe you mean the avengers front and center put her in you know i feel like she doesn't need to be front and center in the Avengers because I feel like sometimes I feel like the Avengers weren't really the biggest allies of X-Men and they weren't. Yeah. Like some of them, they have really like members that I can't, I personally can't stand that. I so that have had very disrespectful words for the queen. And I'm like, sir, please calm down. You are a man in a suit. Please sit down. (laughs) Oh Lord. It's, but my problem with to get back to to what we started talking about that one Thursday night a long time ago. Mm-hmm. My problem with the marriage was I never could see past the fact that it was something that they put together to make as a, a publicity ploy as opposed to something natural. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, I'm I'm a big fan of the, the the Christopher Priest Black Panther, and the yeah. relationship between those two characters there seemed to be they were really old friends who had been through something personal together. Okay. But there was there wasn't whatever was romantic was long gone. But the thing was is that because they had that personal experience, they could talk to each other in a way. 
that other people could not. If that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And but my thing is that my thing with that, like I said in the tweets, was that mm-hmm. maybe it quite possibly could be that they were put together because they were two prominent black characters. Mm-hmm. But like they were also given a backstory. So and also there are I feel like there's a unfair criticism that black characters mm-hmm. get on in many spectrums that white characters do not get because a lot of Hawkeye's relationships are personally have no background, no no anything. Him and Spider Woman being together just seems to just clump Spider Woman Spider Woman would do. Hawkeye's an idiot. <laughs> Hawkeye's yeah, a jerk. I agree with that. I don't okay. agree no, with no, that, I mean, but I'm like... And that's fine. That's fine to have a character who's a jerk who rushes into things without considering the value, you know, considering anything, just like, oh, she's hot. I think I'm going to date her. You mm-hmm. have that, you know, in real life. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I just felt that... I I, I don't know. It's just, I, ha- I think I have a problem in general with the these relationships that, that they say are time are destined mm-hmm. just because they're a man and a woman and it, it just it just kind of bothers me it's like you, you got to spend some time doing the groundwork and at that time there was uh, the groundwork indicated something entirely different unless reggie hudlin just misread those issues that i read mm-hmm you know, and no offense to Reggie Hudlin. But the thing is, I, I think one of the things that when we had that discussion on Thursday, that Thursday, that we touched upon is that it's still a problem of representation. And I think that one of the reasons why I objected is because it seemed more for what they are instead of what they what they were as a as characters um i wish we were in a a point where it didn't matter who loved who and you're right and people people are are getting to relationships for different reasons some somebody like um you know i think that the the gentleman who came in after the fact and started bothering me uh, kept bringing up mm-hmm. Daredevil. Matt Murdock is not a healthy person. Yeah. Matt Murdock has some issues that he has to work out before he can become a, a good partner in a relationship. So yeah. it stands to reason that he makes the wrong choices all the time. Yeah, but I think what they were trying to say is because a lot of also black fans of a lot of care around a lot of frustration because mm-hmm. this is like the most prominent black um the most prominent relationship of a black character is luke cage and jessica jones which i have nothing against the relationship mm-hmm. i think they are a cute couple and the thing is if you go back and read the the first alias series you realize that bendis took the time yeah but also but do you re- like storm black panther got a backstory yeah. to it so is it some way we were talking i felt like you were being um, having a again an unfair criticism to Black Panther and Storm, but mm-hmm. giving leeway to other relationships that maybe like there's a reason for there's a reason for that. But I'm like, I took it as maybe you care a lot about 
I can't, you care a lot about Black Panther and Storm as characters and don't I, want I, them to be muddled in any way that could, you don't want them to even have any way thinking about that criticism. But no matter what, even if someone laid the groundwork, hmm. they would still get that criticism. I, 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 I don't know. It just seemed like it was, it was an abrupt battle. I guess also, to be fair, part of it is also that I wasn't kind of pleased with the way Priest was was treated after that run. That run was an amazing run. And yeah, I I'm not sure how Christopher Priest was treated, and I definitely would love for him to have the he should have the utmost respect because he is a brilliant writer. He is amazing. He he is um he's he's probably my if somebody posted asked the question if you could have one person to ha- to basically shadow for a week to learn the, the comics trade who would you who would you do mm-hmm. and i said without a doubt i said christopher priest i would i would hang out with christopher priest for a week because he he is a very uh, he's now getting his due thank god mm-hmm. but but and i understand why he's been frustrated for so long because people just went to, back to yeah, race, racial representation yeah, yeah, I saw his interview, and definitely he has he has a point. Like, why should he only have to write black characters because he's a black man? Mm-hmm. And I well, definitely like, agree with that that oh, he shouldn't be typecasted in that way. But I would also I would love to preaching his writing. I would love for him to write X Men or say X Force because I feel like mm-hmm. he would give a little bit a great tone to that. Yeah. Well, I would love to see him take on one of the one of the major characters because it seems like they put him in these on these lesser characters and also it's like well it's a black character then give it to priest uh let's see christopher priest do a year on superman i think that would be cool as all hell i think when he did deathstroke i didn't read that personally but i've heard nothing but good things about his deathstroke run I have read Deathstroke and it is it is a good run. It's it's which is surprising because I don't I don't care too much for the idea of Deathstroke as a hero. But but yeah, no, I, I one of the things we're doing on Two True Freaks right now is we're doing a Justice League draft. Mm-hmm. And we're at the creative team stage where we're we're going to choose our creative our writer and artist. And I'm among the last people to pick. God willing, he says, crossing his fingers. I would like it to be uh, Christopher Priest and Amanda Connor. I think that's a I think that's a great combo. My personal, I think as far as if we the roll it back to representation, I feel yeah. like DC has bigger issues with it than Marvel per se. But that's just my personal what I'm seeing because they don't put a lot of their prominent black or POC characters in the forefront or even on a team book they do the Mm -hmm. same thing and i like i understand about money that things have to sell but if you want to talk about your about representation i feel like dc has characters that can go to bat with marvel they just don't use them Mm -hmm. like i I would love to have vixen and bloodwind on it Mm -hmm. and i would love to see um more like wonder woman in the front because i feel like even though they do love they do push wonder woman i feel like when batman and superman are there she kind of right. gets pushed back a little bit or has to be held back right oh I, I feel like like batman gets the biggest slice of that pie 
they, they talk oh about God. the Trinity, about how these are the three big people. These are the foundations of our universe. And yet it seems like Batman gets the, the slice of the pie all the time. Yeah, they're like, and, uh, not to be vulgar, but if, like, could they get off his nuts, like, a little bit? Like, <laughs> just a You can be as vulgar as you want here. We Okay, don't want to be. You can be as vulgar as you want. Don't worry, my friend, my friend. Um, I swear, like, if DC could just take his, take Batman's dick out their mouth, like, for, like, just a little bit. <laughs> I was so pissed off that they took that Birds of Prey movie and made it into a Harley Quinn movie where the Birds of Prey are kind of in the background. Especially after you cast uh, actors of color in some of the major roles. Because you, you had uh, Juliet, Julia Smollett, I think is her name, was playing uh, Black, Journey, Black Canary. Journey Smollett, yeah, she a uh, very beautiful, I think, I think I didn't, um, personally, my personal thing, like, I love and respect her as an actress. I've watched her since uh, she was mm-hmm. maybe seven years old in Ease by You. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, I have an issue as far as, not an issue with the, I don't think the movie was terrible. I All think right. I enjoyed myself watching the movie. I definitely laughed. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's one of, I think it, I don't think it's one of my favorite movies, but I personally, I could watch it again. Mm-hmm. But as far as casting, Black characters and white characters. I do not like race bending as a black man. I I think it's very insulting, personally. I think I don't like hand me downs, and I think it's very and I think it's very. They don't do a favor to the actors because they have to deal with a barrage of people. Oh, that um, yeah, harassing them, um, harassing them, talking about them, saying I saw. I remember like Anna Diop. I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name. Who played Starfire? Now, personally, there yeah. shouldn't have been an issue with her playing Starfire. The issue was that she wasn't painted orange, mm-hmm. and they should have done that. And they also should have dressed her better as far as wardrobe. Mm-hmm. But she still, even through all that, she didn't deserve the harassment she faced. No, which no. I actually, when, when they announced Juliet Small, it was going to be. Um, Black Canary, I basically sent her a message saying, welcome to the club. I can't wait to see what you do with the character. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately... And that's what I said. I would give her a shot at yeah. doing the character. You see, I, I don't mind colorblind casting um, because I realize that television and movies are different from comic books and they have to do interpretations and also these cat many of these characters were created in the 50s and the 60s before before uh representation of the diversity of of human life was a was a concern so i don't mind uh that like for example iris west is is black in the flash tv series i personally don't i like i'm not saying i have anything against like i'm personally not a flash fan so mm-hmm. whatever they're doing with iris rest they can do i was my thing is that the thing when you do race bending i feel like they will f- so quick to throw basically blackface a character mm-hmm. before they will put up an original character and i'm saying and i'm saying and what i think is that if you said well we can't really i'm like there are many old characters that aren't used or only have one appearance. Yeah. If you literally, like, you can literally just go on 
like any director or writer or anything for a comic book, whether a comic mm -hmm. book movie, you can literally go on Comic Vine and literally look up a list of black characters or Asian characters, and you mm -hmm. can see old ones that aren't used. And I'm pretty sure no one will have, there aren't that many fans that, can, that will have an ass attack when, if you revitalize or rewrite them to mm -hmm. fit, a dip, fit a difference. So I feel like race bending is like an excuse to not just use established black characters and maybe give them a narrative. I will agree with you that sometimes it is used a, in a lazy way. Yeah, I definitely think as, at mo at best it's late. At the very best, it's a la it's lazy. At the yeah. very best, of course, it's lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it's you're right about this. Tons and tons of black characters out there, black, Latino, Asian. Uh, one yeah. of my big bug. If you want to he hear me start talking about something race related, bugaboo, it's turning Psy Psylocke into a Japanese woman. Where there was I, no I, reason for that. Yeah, I don't think, I think what was muddled, the issue was, it was muddled that Chris Claremont had a plan. He mm -hmm. left the book and another issue with writers not reading the previous work so you continue it correctly. But mm -hmm. Marvel's had over 15 years to correct that. And I think maybe. And only just recently we get it. Yeah, but my, I think people's thing was the fact that they were afraid of because that's when, not to say Betsy, Bet, but mm -hmm. the truth is Betsy wasn't as popular when she was British yeah. Betsy. That's when she, her popularity skyrocketed when she was the hot eight, hot so ninja. So instead of, instead of trying, working to make her a better character that people would get yeah. behind, eh, just turn her into an Asian swimsuit model. There you go. Yeah. I think and, maybe it was more like, because Chris, what I know of Claremont's plan was the fact that Originally, it wasn't the fact that she was switched bodies into an Asian, into Quanin. It was that Matsuo was a racist that didn't like white people, so he edited Betsy's face to look Asian, mm -hmm. like with plastic surgery. But they made a, to others, it's a complicated story. To me, I wrap yeah. my head around it, maybe because my brain is made to like understand comics a little bit more. Right. No, but well, the fact that the soul. Um, mm -hmm. Claremont has a thing about the subjugation of women, which I really have a problem with. So I can understand. Could you, I, I, could you go I'm not surprised. That a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Could you go into that a little bit more? Because I'm not as a big fan oh. of Claremont. I like. I notice like lately. I notice some people that I do follow have certain issues with his writing, which I'm saying his writing is not perfect, but I've right. always loved his writing. But if someone could point out certain issues that I'm not seeing, I'm I okay will, with it. Um, I, I will, before I, before I go further, I will state, I still think that the Claremont burn year and a half that ran from the Hellfire Club till about to about the, uh, the leaving of Cyclops mm -hmm. is some of the best comics ever written. Mm -hmm. uh, Claremont ha Claremont seems to like to mentally subjugate either either overtly or subvertly subjugate and take away the power of female characters um, that's a very odd take to be honest because Claremont Jean was the Grey first one to put. So. Jean Grey is subjugated by 
uh, Jason Wingard. Yeah. Um, Polaris is subjugated by Malice during the Marauder Saga. Mm -hmm. Um, See, and I'm willing to give him a pass for the for the uh, for, for Mohawk Storm because I understand that there was a greater issue he was talking about, which is what happens when you're so tied into a certain something and you get cut off from that in ex- for an extended period. Mm-hmm. So that's the but but the thing is, if you look at all of his even before X Men, like uh, there was a big deal about a villain called Scimitar uh, dominating Colleen Wing during the early Iron Man books. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this is something that he just really gets off on. And it really bothers me, <laughs> you know? And if you mm-hmm. look at it, if you look at this stuff both before and after X-Men, you look at, um, you know, you look at, I don't know if you, you've ever read Sovereign Seven, which was his- I was early. working on, I was actually working on reading that. I thought about, I said, I was like such a big fan. And I was like, oh, let me read something that is an X-Men by right. him. So I started reading it. I didn't finish it. I believe I was on issue four. But I feel like they said the leader of the group, they were he was way of his writing Storm when he put in Right yeah. Storm. It was... I, I actually... I think I, I stuck with it to the end. But once again... I'm going to finish saw, it. I'm definitely going to finish it. I saw this fetish that he had where... And it was always a female character was mentally dominated by the villains. And I'm like, why can't you you have a male character dominated like that? Yeah, I feel why like there's some merit to that because it's a double-edged sword because he's one of the first people to put female characters in leading roles. And mm-hmm. his writing puts – his. I feel like his writing is the basis of why when people say the X-Women are the best characters of the X-Men, he writes some of the best X-Women. But as double-edged sword, as you say, he likes to have them – subjugated and that maybe comes into the conversation of like someone brought up i've seen on twitter that a lot of times when female characters in comics are at their most powerful is when they're at exposed as mentally unstable when when she's unleashing her all her emotions as the phoenix scarlet Mm -hmm. witch is most powerful when she's house of m when she's losing her mind right which is a weird sort of mess, subconscious message Marvel sending out. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And, but also, and, like, I feel like he never. <clears throat> maybe I haven't read it, but I feel like Storm has never gotten. Maybe the whole thing. I feel like there's an issue with like Dark Phoenix, where like mm-hmm. I noticed some Storm fans have an issue with the way, um, Gene envisions Storm as a slave. Mm-hmm. And some people have an issue with that. And I said, that is an issue. And I feel like certain times his dealings, as much as I respect him as writer, his dealings with race wasn't always the best, especially mm-hmm. as far as when Kitty called a black man the N-word because he was calling her a mutie, which I feel like there's the same connotation, but there's mm-hmm. a, a long, there's a difference in the fact that the N-word has a long history of right of what it has affected black, uh, black people. And mutie is still like, as much as Mutants are supposed to be a metaphor for, mm-hmm. and there are things that situations of where mutants are subjugated, mutants are murdered for the fact that they're mutants. Mm-hmm. I feel like someone like Kitty Pride shouldn't have handled that. Maybe someone like Storm should have handled that mm-hmm. for um 
Um, I don't know. I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Stevie. They're um. Stevie Hunter. Yes. Yeah. Stevie. See, I, handle I know my like stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, sometimes when I get into these arguments with people, the first thing I I, I tend to assume after a while is that they don't realize how old I am and how long I've been, I've been in this in this uh fandom. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I remember Stevie Hunter. But once again, here we go again. Did they, what about um what was it? Sharon Friedlander, I think was her name, the nurse and the physical therapist who turned who he turned Native American for some reason? Yeah, that was in New Mutants. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing her on Combine and reading like a little biography about her. I never actually read the issue, but I read but I'm like with a randomly changed um randomly changing the race of a character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he does write good. Like he, like the X Men have really brought mm-hmm. characters that are well written that are of other races. They do out of comics. They do some of the best jobs. They right. have the best fem- the best black female character. They have the bl- best native characters, which I feel like they don't get a lot of love. But now we're seeing a little bit more of mm-hmm. Danny Moonstar, and I would love to see Warpath. And the rumors of the MCU is that. In the MCU, that Thunderbird is their the one Thunderbird is one of the main cast of the first X Men movie, mm-hmm. which I would love to see because I feel like what I've noticed a lot, at least in my as observation of Marvel, as people love to say that like, which is some true that characters don't stay dead. The characters yeah. that do stay dead in Marvel, at least, are POC characters. Sink stayed yeah. dead for a very long time. Thunderbird stays dead. Um, well, Skin yeah, stayed yeah, dead for a while. It upset. It still upsets me that Ed Brubaker decided to bring back Bucky. But <laughs> there you go. Um, Does this, that really? I feel like people now, really like the Winter Soldier. I personally yeah. haven't like read it, but I know of the Winter Soldier, and I have read mm-hmm. him in books. But I know the story of like how the Winter Soldier was brought back. But I feel like people really like that. Mm-hmm. I guess. But I think that the 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 reason that that got me upset was because. If you don't have a, a certain number of people who just remain dead, mm-hmm. what is the impact of the threat of death? You know? Yeah. yeah. And um, speaking of Thunderbird, here's a character I'd like to see come back from the X-Men, Neil Shaza. The third Thunderbird. The gentleman with the plasma. Yeah, yeah I remember him because I read... I. And definitely a very big advocate on Extreme X Men being a very good run. Mm-hmm. Well, I like um, his character, and I, I liked his sister. And, I don't recall um, his sister, though, but I do like. I feel like he should have got another name. Yeah. Well, it, it made we no also sense. have to work on code names. We have to work. I feel like some comic writers they need to work on code names. Like mm-hmm. we gotta like do better, people. We gotta do better. Cause mm, that's that's not it. Well, yeah. Like for example. Um, there's the character of Rage that Larry Hama brought brought into the Avengers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I brought him up. <laughs> it wasn't until Fabian Ishenza got a hold of him that he got some color. Other defining characters, unless he was besides being the angry black guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He got he got actual nuance and personality under mm-hmm. during New War, which I I love the New Warriors. That that. Fabian Nicenza, Mark Bagley run. 
So I, I, like, ha- I haven't read a lot of them. I read more of the new new. I read the full new Warriors one that came out in mm-hmm. 2014, 2013. Okay. But like, my thing, I guess I'm picky about the way I read characters. Maybe it's a little biased, but like, if you've been disrespectful at all to any of my favorite characters, you can go kick rocks as a character. Okay. So Justice and his mouth about the Justice and trying to disrespect it. I'm like, listen, Justice, calm down. You are low. You are a mid level telepath. I mean, telekinetic, mm-hmm. at the best. So. Please calm down. <laughs> well, I do recommend. I, I think it's. I think they, they have it. it, it it's in trade paperback. I do recommend the original uh, Fabian Vincenzo, Mark Bagley run. I think Mark Bagley is one of those artists like George Perez who excels at doing multiple characters. Doing that stuff. actually look different. That and actually look each character yes. looks really different. They look. That's what I love about. Um, that's what I love about Perez's Teen Titans. And one of the reasons I am a Teen Titans fan to this very day is mm-hmm. that you could look at the silhouettes of these characters and could tell kind of what their deal was. Because you could tell there was definite differences between Donna Troy and Starfire. So you could say, well, this one is more acrobatic. This one is more powerful. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I think art is a very big thing. And about um, just to touch back on Storm's um, yeah. Storm's mohawk here, I thought it was really, to be honest, just to put a disclaimer, Storm has never looked bad. Let's just put that out there. Storm has oh. never had a bad costume, bad hairdo, mm-hmm. ever. But I feel like that was a way of changing. Like also. Way of just giving her a change, and I understand, mm-hmm. like, and I understand maybe the point you're trying to make when you're away from home, you're just like, you just try to do, like, just do something different. But I know it was just started as a joke that, like, people actually really do like her hair, and certain times, and especially in like 2013, mm-hmm. when I feel like the action books were like really, were like really picking up and be good at, be really, really good again before another event just destroys good books. I- I'm not gonna get on my, my soapbox about how event-driven everything is these days. Oh, I could. And, and I'm I not, definitely feel like it has to calm down a little. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the thing is, is that if every year the status quo changes, how can you get get settled in? Yeah. Uh, you know, and... I think they're, like, just afraid of, um... Sorry. It's okay. Um... It's okay. um my thing with that was like, like, yeah, we shouldn't have so many because there's so many when people like when I see people say, oh, the X Men haven't. But guys, there's been good runs or guns runs yeah. that had a chance to get good, but got interrupted by an event. I mm-hmm. feel like I would love for the all female X Men book to come back. Love that book. That mm-hmm. is one of my all, that was one of my faves. Um, books like even like in the 2017 when like i feel like the uncanny x-men the one with monet st croix another right. another great black character mm-hmm. another great female black character um with magneto and mystique and psylocke um mm-hmm. that was a great book as well that just got cut short again well i think part of it is it's just that there's this mentality that number one sells so they just keep churning yeah. them out which is um, the truth but they need to like if you can have a good writer personally mm-hmm. on and a good artist and stably pay them correctly and mm-hmm. pay them their amount and, like, and let them uh, give them the space to create their story 
Yeah, I feel like you should at least give a book, like not saying if it's doing crap, you should, right. if it's doing crap sales, you couldn't give. But if a book that's doing at least relatively decent, you feel like it can go somewhere, at least up to issue 50, mm-hmm. just to maybe find its footing and maybe find its fans. And maybe if, like say Marvel, if you gave, if you gave even half of the other people the advertisement, you gave Carol Danvers for her book, Mm-hmm. The book with people would know about the book because I've heard many people say that like they'll find the book and the book is already canceled. But as they said, I didn't know it was out. So how was mm-hmm. I supposed to buy it if I didn't know it was out? And they'll try to use the argument. Well, we put it there and you guys didn't buy it. I said, well, you didn't do a proper job. Yeah, on trying I, mean, to sell I, it. Can, I can see what they're saying in some cases because there are certain books that are so unique an audience will find them like the Squirrel Girl book. Which lasted 50 issues, right? Yeah, I was, like, so lost. (laughs) But the the thing is, people wanted it. There was an audience that wanted it. It found it on its own. And they feel like, well, we don't have to publicize anything really weird. Uh, We just publicize the stuff that we know. Well, we know that there's a movie coming out uh, for this character. Let's publicize that. Get some promotion done. Um, And I think that Carol... And I've, I've been on board with, with Carol Danvers as far back as her original Ms. Marvel days mm-hmm. in the 70s. Uh, I really like the character, but I think that she was done a big disservice in Civil War II. I don't think there should have been a Civil War II. Um, Not at all. And I think... I personally haven't read it because Civil War actually warped the way I feel about a lot of characters, especially involving the Avengers. I was like, I was really like down home, like fuck the Avengers because mm-hmm. that shit was just atrocious. Cause the way they went about, like the way, the way even Thor, when he pulled it out and when he gave a beat down Iron Man, my favorite, favorite image of like nearly, Nearly beat, nearly beat Soma's favorite image because mm-hmm. Iron Man needed that ass whooping so bad. <laughs> like, he was begging for to get his shit punched in. And I was like, of course, the Thunder God has to give it to him. But they had to, they had to warp Tony Stark's personality to fit the story as opposed to let the story rise from his personality. Yeah. Which I really I, dis- dislike. And Mark Miller, had to, to quote Warren Ellis, Mark Miller can go suck goats. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Have you ever did you ever read um Next Wave? Um no, but I've heard great things about it. And I said like it's Monica. 12, yeah, it's a twelve issue limited series by Warren Ellis and Stuart Immonen. And um Monica is the leader of a group of rogue superheroes fighting against a, a something called the Beyond Corporation, and it's mm-hmm. totally funny and it's totally goofy, and uh, it's a lot. It's it's a great read. I definitely will give. I definitely have it on my plan to read. I've just been trying to read so many things, and I do these also right. do these little debate things. So I like just trying to just trying to prioritize my time. Just because right. I was rereading the so I can have all the information. The original Uncanny X. Finally, Kenny X-Men and X-Men runs and all the X-Men books I didn't like get to fully read growing up. Because mm-hmm. I do, I still remember my first, my first comics I ever read. Mm-hmm. I remember I was four and I read 
actually a what a what if where if Rogue became Thor mm-hmm. and Excalibur, the original Excalibur run. That's the first I ever read. Oh, the, the Claremont Alan Davis. Oh, I love Alan Davis, man. Yeah. Oh my God, his art is like Alan legit Davis perfect. Is yeah, and yeah, perfect. I'm like, these are the kind of artists like that should be be the only ones on books. Why do you keep putting these bad artists on like? Because I know they're they're, they're I know, newer I artists. They're you could probably I don't know. Um, they're newer. The problem I have with with the art right now is that in many cases they let the artist dictate the schedule. Um. What are my favorite? That, what are my, my, my what favorite artists? Hmm? What the hell is the artist dictating? I understand that they have a lot of things to do, but you, yeah, you have to follow a schedule because you are doing a job. One of my favorite artists of all time, and this is a favorite that our producer Chris is going to go yes when I mention it, is Gene Colan. Mm-hmm. Gene Colan used to do four books a month, and not one of them looked rushed. Uh. Jim Aparo, who to me is the definitive Batman artist, uh-huh. was doing at one time Batman, Aquaman, Phantom Stranger, and you know he was doing multiple books, and he got them out on time. And yet, yeah. you, you get a, a big name artist. Uh, we won't mention names. <laughs> Cassidy, and um, they take three, four months because of course they're looking at the aftermarket. And you're going, is this page going to, going to get me money on the aftermarket? Mm-hmm. No, no. Do your job first. Um, if, we're, if I'm thinking of the I'm right I'm sorry. Person. I'm coming off as a, as, a, as a cranky old guy. <laughs> it's okay. I can understand, like, a little bit of frustration because, trust, as a Storm fan who's been asking for that <laughs> Storm solo series, for like that was hinted at that I just that's basically I just began the middle finger from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the frustration. I'm like, you have a great artist and a great writer, someone who likes Storm, and you're not. Mm-hmm. We're not. We don't have it yet. Okay. What are you? Okay. Since since it seems like we're being very um, X Men centric. Yeah. I guess we should address what my my dear friend Hurricane Anna refers to as Fuck Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the John Hickman run so far. Um, I love the premise, the idea. Certain books aren't yeah. executing as well, but I'm still trying to give it like let it run because the premise is so perfect for the X Men, mm-hmm. and I'm I love it because if and I feel like the people that have an issue with it mm-hmm. have an issue with the Black Panther Party, which is I feel like there's certain there's big connections to that. Mm-hmm. As far as the writing, and I said, the X Men should be like, should really be like, f y'all. I will help, but I'm not going. Why should I have to get shot every time? Right. Because there's literally images. Like if anyone has read World War Hulk, the mm. reason the Hulk stopped coming for them, which mm. also, also my other issue with writing is undermining people's powers. But I'm not mm. going to get into that right now. Um, is that he saw their they have literally have a graveyard had a graveyard in their backyard of all the people they lost mm. to anti mutant attacks and and other anti mutant attacks from even from other other mutants of right. when house of the after effects of house of M mm. and things of that nature it's just like how much can a set of people take before they say enough is enough 
Right. Right. And, and I think now Hickman is one of these people who really plans in the long term. Yes. Um, and I loved his run on Fantastic Four, something fierce. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed enjoyed that run. Uh, but I think that they're expanding the line too much right now. There's like what now? Eight books? Yeah, I believe so. But I think like one, I think it's seven because unfortunately Fallen Angels got canceled. Fallen Angels got canceled, but it got replaced by cable, by the new cable book and the new, new oh God, uh, could, Wolverine I book. Could, I could care less about either. Um, I know, Wolverine, I know. Again, Wolverine doesn't need another damn solo and cable doesn't need a solo because no one likes team damn cable. Babel, I, I like cable and Deadpool. That's what I liked. Yeah, I like Cable and I definitely like Cable and Deadpool. Which was a Fabian Vincenza book, so we're seeing I'm a pattern. He's one of your here, right? Yeah, he's definitely one of your he's definitely one of your faves. Yeah, yeah. And it, and I thought thought the artist was good too, but it's Yeah, I thought the artist was great. I, I always thought that if, if let's say some reason I woke up in charge of the X Men, I would start with just two books and three books actually. Two books for if these three books would be the only X Men stuff for a year, and there would be a uh, a gold team, a black team, and there would be a solo, a, basically a rotating solo book, kind of like what X Men Legacy turned out to be. Mm-hmm, though not a very good job. Not a very good job. But the idea is the idea was. The gold team would be composed of a lot of the heavy hitters, and they'd be like the public relations types. Mm-hmm. I feel like those books missed the mark as far as at least X Men Blue before it changed into got the other characters, which I feel like yeah. was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Or even like all new X Men was like that was like the last all new X Men. That was a yeah. good thing where like. When people talk about underrated characters and they say, like, well, how do we make them sell? As far as X-Men, I feel like it's a very simple process that I feel like people seem to be so lost about. You take heavy hitters, like, if you want a book to sell, put Wolverine and Storm on as the coaches, leaders, and you put people like Hellion and Mirage and Karma or Mm -hmm. even, like, the other, like, Surge and Anol, right. like, if you want those characters to be popular and sell well, you have to put them on books with characters that are already very established, have a legacy behind mm-hmm. them, and have thousands of fans. Right. Um, there's a reason, I think, why Rockslide is so memorable, because he's in one of the, he was in one of the, I think he was in the uh, Chris Bocciolo run. Oh my god, people are gonna hate people are probably going to hate me when they hear this, but like he is one of my least favorite X-Men artists. I respect I that. I respect you. I, I think he was miscast. I, I'm a big Chris Bocciolo fan, but I don't think that the X-Men, which is all which should be all shiny and utopian and nice smooth lines and shiny surfaces, was a good fit for Chris Bocciolo, who's a horror artist. Yeah, I feel like because he just, and also he puts, like, sometimes so much on a page yeah. that, like, it's just a lot. I'm not trying to discredit his as an artist because I remember reading, I remember the thing about certain times that if I go back, like, mm-hmm. artists like Chris Bocciolo and even, um, what's the artist everyone hates because he traces? I'm oh, on his oh name. Uh, Leonard, not Leonard Kirk. Um, 
I know exactly who you're talking about. He has the greatest like Phoenix cover though. His his Dark Phoenix cover is like one of the best. But it's kind of hard not to notice it once it's pointed out to you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like I look at the '90s because I was reading yeah. the original Birds of Prey and who I'm blanking on his. Let me see if I can find his name very quickly. Leonard Kirk. I it's, need to. Although Kirk is related to him in some way. Um, I know who you're talking. I I I I have a picture. I have a really inappropriate picture of Pixie in my head right now. Oh God. <laughs> and that was another so, character I liked, but I'm like, that's kind of gross, guy. Oh, Pixie? No, 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 no. The way he drew her. I'm like... Yeah, um, sometimes I'm like... Sometimes I'm like, could you not? Yeah. Could you not? Thanks. See, that's like... Okay, one of my my favorite books of all time is the Keith Giffen, J.M.D. Mateus, Justice League International. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I liked it so much is because... They behaved, first off, Kevin McGuire was a great artist, particularly with facial expressions, so you could do a lot more nuance. And secondly, because these are characters who basically behaved like real people. When Mm -hmm. they had to go out and fight something terrible, they were all business, but once they were back at their home base, it was was like a workplace. Greg Land. Greg Land, yeah, there he is. I knew I... Like, I just was reading his or, the original, his art for the original Birds of Prey in 1998. His I, art is I, so I, good. Yes. yes. And so is, and Chris Pachalo in, um, in Generation X, his beginning art, fantastic. So I'm like, what happened? You see, Generation X was, a, was supposed to be a weird book. It was always meant to be a kind of strange book. So his artwork fit. And in fact, there were two characters there that I think were created specifically because he was he was drawing it, which was uh, Chamber, who I love, mm-hmm. and uh, Mondo. They were do they were done specifically because they knew that Bacalo could do the right thing. But yeah. putting him on the main X book doesn't quite work for me. It doesn't really like honestly doesn't work for me that much either. Mm-hmm. I would love I would love to see somebody like I would love to see Bagley's take uh, on the X-Men. Mm-hmm. My uh, number one, I would just love Alan Davis to be an artist for uh, Frank Cho to be an artist because I love his art. His art is so perfect. I mm-hmm. love the way he draws females, char- female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, even um, what are some of my other, I even like I even like Greg Land's covers. I really do enjoy mm-hmm. his cover art, to be honest. Um. People like Pepe, Pepe Lorenz, I think I'm right. saying, if I'm saying his name right, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. R.B. Silva, love, like, love his art. Mm-hmm. Who am I missing? That's some favorite artist, but, like, my brain is, like, blinking. Like, those are, like, would love to see them more often. Right. So, so who... We both agree that we, that we need more people of color. Definitely. Prominent spaces in in both marvel and dc although i think yes. dc is going a little bit although the fact that they they took away cassandra kane's batgirl title and gave it to gave it to barbara gordon i never liked that 
I personally did. I personally didn't care for like them taking titles away from. But I especially yeah. think like out of all of them, as a person who's not a big fan of Batman, mm-hmm. definitely don't go out of my way to read Batman stories. Like mm-hmm. Lady Shiva and people like Lady Shiva, um, Cassandra Kane and Bronze Tiger would make me read a Batman book if they're main thing. But I don't like the fact that when you're when characters are in a Batman book. They right. would be undermined to make Batman look better. And I do right. not like that. I don't enjoy that. See, and I'm sure you, you, you've you seen my my tweets or, uh, you know, whenever I'm talking with Judge Anon, who runs the Let's Talk, Let's Talk uh, Lady Shiva uh, account. is uh, one of my favorite characters, period. And I would love to go to an alternate universe circa about 1990 where Michelle Yeoh played Lady Shiva in a in a movie. <laughs> Cuz and, and okay, here's I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second cuz this really bugged this really bugged me like when the, when the uh, new 52 happened and they gave Lady Shiva a costume, I'm like, "Why? The whole point of this character is her reputation is her costume. She doesn't need to dress up because her reputation precedes her. You know? That she is a force of nature and you don't... She's the guy that almost that almost killed the Batman. You don't mess with that girl. You know? Yeah, like, that should be always that, like... I always liked it about it. Like, she was like, Batman can't outfight me. He may be able to out... Maybe out-strategize her, but he mm-hmm. definitely cannot out-fight out Lady Shiva. Mm-hmm. There is a, I think it was a, a Green Arrow um, annual back in the 80s where they had Batman looking at a dead body and he says, there are, you know, this person was killed by this, this martial arts method. And they said, well, who did? They said, there are only three people I know in the world who could do this correctly. I know I didn't do it. <laughs> And I don't mm-hmm. think Lady Shiva is Musan is around right now, so. But that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just I love that character to death. I love. A lo- I think that all too often there is, and I think that one of the major problems with uh, with what DC Comics did under the reign of Dan DiDio was they took away legacy titles. From characters who had been like who had been that character for over a decade, yeah. Uh, some of which were people of color. Kyle Rayner was half Mexican. Yeah. Um, Connor Hawk, Green Arrow, was Asian, and they gave him back to the people that everyone knows, you know, who invariably were white guys. Yeah. But a lot of people, I notice, like, a lot of certain subset of fans that, mm-hmm. like, they don't enjoy legacy characters or they have an issue with, like, certain legacy characters, which some have merit to it, some do not. Right. But also, I personally don't ever, like, go after legacy characters because, as, like, maybe, like, Batgirl, like, Cassandra Kane. I like Cassandra Kane. Um, oh, love, love Cassandra Kane. like that. Now, mind you, like, I like... X twin like Kyle Rayner is Green Lantern, love him. But like yeah. I feel like Kyle Rayner shouldn't they like they exist as multiple Green Lanterns at the same time. But mm-hmm. I feel like Kyle and 
John get the short end of the stick so Hal can have yeah. a show. Yeah, no, no. The moment Hal came back, it was all about it was the Hal. Um, it was the Hal show. And don't get me wrong, I liked Hal, but I don't like the, what he's become. I don't like the fact that he's basically become an alt-right bully. Um, and if it I was I never cared, I never cared for Hal Jones, to be honest. So, like, me growing up, I watched Just League of the Kids, so I didn't, like, like read all the comics. So, hmm. to me, Green Lantern was Jon Stewart. So, when they right. made the Green Lantern movie, I said, okay, Jon Stewart, hey, and I'm like, what did you think of Pete Tommaso's um, Green Lantern Corps run, the one that teamed Kyle up with uh, Guy Gardner? I did not read that as I'm not okay. like that big of a DC, but I do plan on reading because I like I wanted to see if I would like Kyle personally. I know I don't like Guy Gardner. I know for a fact I'm not gonna like Guy Gardner. It, it gave it, 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 they they the two of them together made it an interesting team. That I think informed both of the both of their characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, and I'm a I am a Guy Gardner fan, but I think most people only think of Guy Gardner a certain way. They don't they don't remember how he was originally introduced way 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 back when when I but then again, what do I know? Um, but yeah, I I, I it, it also like there's an, there was another character that got pushed aside after the new 52 which was the ryan Choi adam who i genuinely created by gail simone and john byrne and i genuinely liked that character a lot more than i liked ray ray palmer i heard yeah i remember i heard about him being murdered and stuff in the book and i'm like that's just i feel that's, like characters yeah. don't get trying to like even be loved to even hmm. get a chance to be loved by the fans or some people like, because I know certain writers, they don't like a character, and they will take it out on said character in their writing. I've seen it. Yeah. And it's really disheartening. Like, if you don't like a character, just don't write them personally. Well, I mean, you just have to look at uh, Justice League Cry for Justice and the... Uh... That's on my list to read, actually, because I'm okay, reading... Okay, there um... is a page. Uh, you may have heard it talked about i know that 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 sasha sasha woods i want to call her i can't remember her last name uh on casually comics the youtube channel devoted Mm -hmm. an entire very funny video to it um where james robertson who i swear there are two different james robertsons there's the james robertson i really like who's really smart and clever and uh interesting to read and then there's the one that that comes out of the, the, his basement at night and just writes horrible shit but <laughs> um he takes a whole page because how quits the justice league because they're not willing to, to go to the, the, the limit man and he, there's a page of him and um green arrow joking about a threesome how supposedly had with uh huntress and lady blackhawk and i'm like That does not sound like either of the either of those characters. It sounds like I mean, how would of course be horn dogging on them, but I cannot see either of them giving them the time of day. Yeah, like really they take the both, time to do that. They were both written by Gail. Someone they were both characters in Birds of Prey at the moment. At that mm-hmm. moment, uh, Gail wrote a little thing about how he got drunk 
at a, at a flight symposium one night and became convinced that he had a threesome, even though he was just, you know, off his off his ass on on the alcohol. Yeah. But the thing is, why are you assassinating two other pe- uh, two characters that other people are, are taking care of, are taking care of? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I notice a lot of character assassination goes around. Like, as much as I am a lover of the X-Men and even mm. other things, like, character assassination, like, even if I just divert from the X-Men, like, I feel like they'll, like, in some summer in story, like, Batman and Superman's uh, character assassination of Wonder Woman for killing Maxwell Lord. Oh, and I'm like, that was so out of character. And I'm like... She, I'm like, she literally stopped you from murder. I said, otherwise, if she didn't do that, you would have probably murdered Lois and then want to cry, what was me, and then want to go in, mm. go in justice mode. But, and then Batman's, that's another thing that, like, really grinds my gears about Batman, like, his constant hypocrisy that he totes around. Like, he's somehow so much better than the rest of them. That, well, it, like, Wonder Woman did what was needed to be done. Y'all need to, sh- like, really to be to be serious how I was really feeling. Shut your <laughs> punk ass up and sit down. Because neither one, because one thing part of that while Metro World was doing was your fault, Batman, because <laughs> you just keep doing slick shit that well, the whole under the really bothered me because as I think I mentioned, one of my favorite runs of all time is uh, Just Sleek International. And Maxwell Lord mm-hmm. came from that run. And yeah. the thing was, they retroactively changed the entire, said, oh, I intentionally put together a Justice League of incompetence. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You're just making, you're retroactively, just like um, the revelation, supposedly, that, that, that Deathstroke the Terminator had poisoned Terra. And that's what made her go bad. I feel like that's also that seems like a scapegoat so you can yeah. like use a character again or like try to get the criticism off the character. Mm-hmm. Cause as me and my me and my best friend, she like she doesn't read comics, but I'm getting her more into comics. Mm-hmm. But we were big Teen Titans fans. As I, we was like, we did not, we don't fuck with Terra. Like we right. don't mess with her at all. No, no her, not at all. Mm-hmm. She can kick rocks, literally. That's right. Yeah. Well, the thing. So the whole excusing, trying to excuse a character, like, yeah. even to go back to, like, say, Jean, like, to say, to remove, I, I understand why they did it, like, for Jean Grey, like, to remove the state of Phoenix was a cosmic enemy when it was originally supposed to be Jean's powers at its strongest. Right. Well, the whole thing but, started because Claremont said, why do we have this this character on, this character should not be a wilting wallflower. Mm-hmm. He, 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 I, I read this interview he did for the Comics Journal way a long time ago where he just said, he's like, I'm looking at Gene and I'm like, here's this like really hot redhead who used to model and she's constantly in the background. It's like, no, she should be more assertive. And that led to him upgrading her into Phoenix after, of course, the um, like a- storyline. That was a really big upgrade. Yes. But the, the, the because thing was... She went from doing mid-level telepathic mm. things, really, to, like, fighting the... Uh, fighting one of uh, former 
former workers for Galactus, one of his <laughs> one of his former soldiers, like Fire Lord. And I'm like, big upgrade for Gene. And yeah. I, I do fuck with I do fuck with Gene. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I would like to have and Gene does have in the nineties definitely kept more of her like assertiveness and more aggressiveness. Right. My thing was that she just wouldn't leave Cyclops' ass alone, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, that that's a pro once again we come back to the, the destined love affair. One of my biggest problems as a as a person who actually enjoys Gambit and enjoys Rogue, I just don't enjoy them together. <laughs> because Gambit should Gambit is, was always portrayed as a sensualist, as someone who is into the here and now, who is into touch and feel and, and tactile sensation. Yeah, like and, he literally one of his powers that people tend to forget about. He has hypnotic eyes. Yeah, that exactly. Can... Um, but to have him mooning over somebody he literally cannot touch made no sense to me. Actually, I feel like that makes perfect sense because that, but that plays into the, that almost plays into the man stereotype that mm-hmm. you want what you can't have. Mm-hmm. And that makes you want it more. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, what's my favorite representation of, of Gambit? The Fabian Ascensa two-year series that they did in the aughts. Isn't that the one in the 90s where he had, uh, new, when New Sun was introduced? Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. I thought it was, I thought it was the early aughts, but yes. Where yeah, that was, I haven't read hanging that out yet. with Sex at Conaway and uh, because the didn't thing he was, have sex? Didn't in that run Gambit have sex with a um a, someone who was a, a man who was a shapeshifter, shapeshifter to a woman, and he knew that he was a man. That I did not. I did not know. I mean, I don't recall because I've read every issue of that of that run, and I don't recall. It that, might have been. Wouldn't surprise. Gambit has had a couple solos, but Gambit has definitely had like because I did hear like again about. Rev- uh, then I did hear about a writer who was writing the 2014 version mm-hmm. of Gambit's solo series. Mm-hmm. That he was one of the ideas was for Gambit to have a bisexual relationship. He should relationship be pansexual, exactly, because he's all about the sensation. And I'm so like, it shouldn't you matter know, as someone, as a man who's bisexual myself, um, okay. and Gambit is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Definitely would was feeling that because love that for him. Right, but I do. I personally, the difference between like me and you have difference. Where I do enjoy Rogue and Gambit's right. relationship because I feel like they they do, do do something well for each other, and I mm. feel like Rogue is at her Rogue is sometimes at her best when she's with Gambit. Sometimes, okay. sometimes there are sometimes where it's like pulling her down, but mm. it's way better than her being with Magneto. I don't know where the, that came. I from. don't know where that came from. No, no. I mean, the thing Age I of like Apocalypse. Rogue, yeah, Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. But not main timeline. Yeah. The thing I like about Rogue as a character is here's a person who has, and because because I ha, I suffer from I I'm disabled. I suffer from a a, a severe mental illness. Mm-hmm. And to me, I look at Rogue and I see Rogue as somebody who has a similar disability, a really crippling disability, but she does not let it get her down. Mm-hmm. She still chooses life and that's what i like about her yeah but i can understand like why it would hurt because i just recently saw a panel of like mm-hmm. when she had kissed the thing and they both were like and they both they mirror each other almost because they're both mm-hmm. caged inside their body right and it was just like such a very intimate moment and i was like this is very beautifully written like 
I love moments like these, bro, but I definitely can say that I loved when she was able to control her powers. I know a lot of people said that yeah. took away some of her character, but I said, how, but how long was she going to be the tortured, I can't touch but anyone situation? Is she going to be a character defined by her powers, or are her powers going to be informed by her personality? That's the thing. Yeah, because I definitely love the whole, you know, I'm a big 90s X-Men fan, so like right. Southern Belle Rogue saying with all her, all her lovely catchphrases, mm-hmm. love her to death. I always imagined her as kind of Holly Hunter, you know, <laughs> but, um, well, we talked, we just touched upon something about, you know, there aren't that many bisexual characters, you know, there, there were, there aren't there many homosexual characters that are out. Although I find it weird that after the new 52, certain characters got retroactively turned gay or gay or bisexual or from, from their previous. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like going like like, people Alan, like you mean like Alan Scott? Yeah, like Alan Scott. I had a discussion. I had a discussion. Like, I had a discussion. Uh, Maxima, whose whole storyline when she was introduced was yeah, that didn't make any you. sense. Yeah, because Maxima's big thing was that she was basically low key a rapist because she would not take no for an answer exactly. from Superman, yeah. and she literally beat him down when he mm-hmm. would tell her no. She was but, one sick bitch, but I like I kind of like her. Oh no! I, I that's why she's in my Justice League. So, <laughs> um, but I know a lot of people don't like the new Fifty Two version of um, Maxima. Yeah, it, I know she's not I very popular. I, I don't hate the new Fifty Two version of Maxima. I just think it was an arbitrary change. My thing with like, yeah, there aren't a lot, and there also even mm-hmm. the characters that are out. Mm-hmm. Like, if we take back to say the gay issues, like. Right. People like Karma and Northstar don't get the forefront mm-hmm. about, and as most bisexual characters, they get an inkling that they are bisexual. Right. Like, for, well, wasn't for there... I know for a fact Storm is, I know for a fact Storm in my heart, Storm is a bisexual woman. Right. I know and people that... might get upset about this, but everyone knows Yukio was Storm's right. girlfriend. We all know I that. Know that. And we all know Betty she had sex Smith with Lisko. Smith intended for Black Cat to be bisexual. Yeah, I feel like she gives she gives that kind of energy, but she also mm-hmm. actually wait, does she really give that kind of energy? No, I, I would say Black Cat seems because like she's not well defined because she doesn't get, she doesn't get the, the the attention. So and also like for Black Cat, her, maybe she, maybe not Black Cat because Black Cat seems like very like one of the females that is very I'm strictly dickly like yeah okay nothing but dick <laughs> for me. But, like, back to bisexual characters, yeah. like, I feel like the only out open ones are Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. That I know of. There could be others, but, like... See, I, I can't imagine anyone in the uh, the Star Sapphire Corps not being bisexual. There literally isn't a... Th- their thing is love, so their yeah, love exactly. is very well Love has many faces. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the weirdest thing they did was like I was trying to read a character because one of the fe- I don't know her name mm-hmm. I but her name is Blakey but I did like it's on one of my lists. Yeah. She literally like she hated John Stewart and the Star Sapphire Ring made her love him. Mm-hmm. Like it turned hate into love and right. also which can be a brilliant if it was written properly the brilliant storyline there's a about the line there's a thin line between love and hate. Right. Exactly. I mean, and it comes back to something that I, I believe, to, to quote the great John Lydon, anger is an energy. Emotion is an energy. Mm-hmm. And how you choose to use that energy 
determines whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion. Yeah. So but, I definitely have I definitely feel that because I'm someone who I have only time I got really diagnosed was with like with one of my teachers in college, mm-hmm. which was who was a licensed psychiatrist. Right. She said I have very like symptoms of IED, which is intermediate mm-hmm. explosive disorder, which like I do tend like especially when I was a little younger to blow up on the Marquise? blow up on the just drop of a dime. You are talking to a brother. I am officially been diagnosed by the state of New York as having what they call explosive mood disorder, which is this, which is very similar to what you're describing. Mm-hmm. So we are we are brothers in that way. I you know, definitely and I, and I understand what you're going, and I definitely understand what that feels like because the problem with me personally, and also the fact that I've been to the doctor and I have an abnormal adrenaline gland. So my fight or flight is more active than normal people. So I know what it's like. And I would love to, why I want it to be, part of the reason why I want it to be a therapist and a psychiatrist to help people with things like this, because I understand how it, how it feels like, because sometimes anger feels really good sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah. But once again, it's, it's an energy. Um, I was angry back in 2011. I was angry at the way at the way Dan DiDio was running DC Comics, and mm-hmm. instead of going online and getting getting all angry, I created my own comic series, my own series of novels, which mm-hmm. every once in a while I get a couple of dollars from. But <laughs> but the thing is, is that people think like you, you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be sad, you shouldn't be um envious i, I, I find it, that so agitating from people that that bothers me so much because people are going to feel those emotions those emotions are all natural what we need to do is learn how to keep them in check or not let them be a deterrent into, yes don't we let them be a deterrent to, to your life mm-hmm. exactly you have to learn how to focus them to benefit you and mm-hmm. benefit society as a whole as opposed to just let them pack. I, 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 when I grew up, there wasn't as much of an understanding of mental illness as mm. we do have now. And, yeah. and I feel like comics should also touch on a lot more mental illnesses because I feel like they, people like Legion aren't like, aren't, there aren't as many as them. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many. And also, even like what you said, that you have people with, like, disability. I've seen a lot of people talk about characters with disability that, like, it isn't always well-written. Because, like, Professor Xavier had a disability, but I feel yeah. like they turn on and off at a whim. Yeah. And isn't what real, and that isn't the real life of people with disabilities. But we are talking about a man who has a genius-level intellect with mm-hmm. and can build a holographic machine. So, obviously, he should be able to make himself how to walk again. Right. But um, that's another reason why I think you might like, if you're interested in uh, hand in disabled representation, there is a character in the Fabian and Senza New Warriors uh, called Silhouette. I'm, I'm, yeah, I like, I like Silhouette. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about then. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think, but I definitely agree with you about, because I think far too often... Mental illness is treated in comics and in fiction as a whole has an either or. Yeah. And there's so many different shades of gray. 
Yeah. But most people, if you if you got all your impression of mental illness from popular media, you would think either mentally ill people are either totally meek and and, and buttoned down or wackadoos. Yeah. Which and, isn't the truth at all, especially I'm growing up with people who had mental uh, mental illnesses and mm-hmm. like that still like make it through the day that even a certain family member of mine, I won't like mention their right. name, but like employee of the month still with a mental illness. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, that's very commendable to be that person mm-hmm. to strive through it to like, I think that's the point of being a hero. You could have something wrong with you and still be good. I feel like that's probably why I liked, like, I haven't read the book, but I love the show Doom Patrol. I am probably the number one Doom Patrol fan. I love it because I think that it, and you would enjoy a particularly uh, the original run, which is it's kind of corny. It's kind of Silver Age. But it is yeah, a to lot like, of fun. I would Silver Age comics. Okay. And you would also enjoy the, the, uh, the Grant Morrison run. The Grant Morrison... Um, Richard Case run, which is what a lot of that TV show is based on. Well, as um, long as he doesn't do, long as he doesn't do in that in in that book, what he did to Gene in New X Men, I'm so okay with that. Uh, I don't think he does it. He he. The only thing he does, well, no, I won't I won't go into it because I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's it's a great run. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, for me, Doom Patrol is my X Men. Because I look at Doom Patrol as a metaphor for people with disabilities mm-hmm. learning to interface with the real world. And because each one of these characters are broken in some way. Okay, granted, Rita is a little bit not broken enough, so to speak. But and I feel like I read that. I did read that. I read that Rita was really just... The prissy perfect one, yeah. But the show really did a better job at saying how how her power isn't is very a hindrance to her life. Well, I, I think that the actress oh, why can't I remember the actress's name? The actress who played Rita in in the thing, uh, mm-hmm. in the in the series, was actually doing some really interesting things in terms of conveying her inner life. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, and I was I was totally in love with Diane Guerrero. But of course, love loves her as Jane. Oh, she she was so. I remember talking to Richard Case after the first episode. And I said, "What do you think of this?" And I said, "I think <laughs> she. It just comes right. I think she came right off the page. Damn it! <laughs> it was just real. I was just. It was just uncanny. You know. Uh, but but yes, you would enjoy Doom Patrol. Um, the problem with Doom Patrol is that sometimes it's not done right. You know, yeah, uh, were, I, but, but yes, there's the a YouTuber named Faust. Hmm? There's a YouTuber named Faust, and he's a big fan of Doom Patrol, and he he mentions the bad runs like of like of the show. Of I mean, of oh, the comic, the, I like yeah, the whole Carpenterberg run, which just turned it into another uh another superhero group that I didn't care for. Um, I kind of sort of like the the Keith Giffen. Uh, the Keith Giffen version, but they didn't give it enough issues, so I didn't know how, where it was going. Um, 
but there are there are just some runs that I just I just don't I don't fuck with. <laughs> like, nope, <laughs> you're not part of my head cannon. But yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Uh, I, As an excellent fan, there are plenty of those runs. Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, but yes, Doom Patrol is one of my all time favorite uh, comics. You know, period. And I definitely, I think, particularly considering what we're talking about today, you would you would enjoy it. You would enjoy several runs of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, uh, and I kind of like the Gerard Way version, even though it, it sometimes got whack, too wacky for its own good. Mm-hmm. But, you know. So, um, who should... I think we're, we're both in agreement here that we need more representation, particularly of sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Of race and sexual orientation, race especially. Sexual orientation. Um, I, I think what what I mean, what characters do you think we need to bring back to the fore? To, what characters would I love? Mm-hmm. For like more like race wise, I would more love like, to see. Well, one, I would like a good writer to write Storm and Bishop because I love their relationship mm-hmm. together, their friendship. Right, and it's not the current Marauders book. I'm sorry to like not, but it's not that one. Yeah, but Storm and Storm and uh, Bishop. I want to see more of um, the the new X Men, like the one from two thousand, the one from the two thousands, not the um, the academy, not the ones of the X Men, Academy X. Yeah, okay. Academy X. Like, right. definitely more Surge. Definitely more um, Wind Dancer if they give her her powers back. Mm-hmm. Um, more Hellion, more Null, giving them, um, giving them like more, more gay characters, and maybe right. some like even some more like original characters. Maybe because I would love for, again, not to take it back to because I love Storm so much. Mm-hmm. Like she has such a rich history that can be explored, mm-hmm. but does not get explored. Like where's the like? I'm pretty sure she has more family members that are mutants. Mm-hmm. They should bring them maybe a male family member that she can bond with, that she can take under her wing. Kind of like I what like they characters. did in X-Men Evolution, where, where they had the character of Spike. That was his her yeah. new nephew, I think. Yeah. Yeah, in the X-Men yeah. Evolution, Spike See, was her I nephew. See, I actually like, prefer like, X-Men Evolution to the 90s X-Men comic. Uh, 90s X-Men uh, cartoon. I noticed that it's a trend that like a lot more people enjoy, but I'm like... To me, I like the one that does Storm better, and definitely I love as much. I love Evolution's Storm. She isn't '90s X who was like when she was down there, shit got done. Yeah, like she got she got it done. Her and Rogue were the like again like a good representation of female female and of black characters that the heavy hitters were Storm and Rogue. They were the heavy hitters of the team. And also, I feel like '90s X when the uh, I. I feel like also someone who definitely got character assassinated that like I almost can't stand anymore mm-hmm. is um is Beast and I feel like they just lost so what like Beast was such a good character to fall so far mm-hmm. especially the way the '90s X Men had him because like oh dear I just like love his um <laughs> love his lines he's just such a great right. character. And the thing was, there was a time when he was one of the most popular mutant characters in the Marvel Universe, because he was a major player in the Avengers. Yeah. And 
unfortunately, you'll never get to see this because the writer who wrote these stories turned out to be not a nice man at all. But there were a, there was a series that was done in the 90s featuring Wonder Man where he would he would pop up every couple of issues and just the, yeah, their friendship was so great. I think that's they're their best friends. Yeah, they they were be- I I I like I like seeing that. You see, I See, that's why probably I will never be a never be a comic writer. Because I'd much rather have my guys sitting around drinking coffee and, and, and talking about what they saw on the news th- last night <laughs> than beating up Magneto, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's like, like, like I said, the Marvel's book would be just Carol, Monique, and uh, Kamala Khan, the two older characters providing mentorship for the younger character. They'd go shopping, they'd have lunch, and every once in a while, you know, the Ryan would but show really, up. I never thought show. Monica and Carol were like, they're not very close friends. They hmm. really aren't. Okay. So I ne- like I would like I would probably check I would definitely check it out, but like I know a very big subset of Monica's fans are definitely do not like Carol and okay. do not like the way Carol interact like especially of evolving the name, especially right. around the the name, which was like thrown around how many like there's I believe seven people have had the name Captain Marvel. At this point, in, yeah, Marvel? It's, it's been it's been passed around yeah. like candy. Um I'm just like, can we just pick one and stick with it? So I'm guessing to stick with Carol. I just I, wish her costume right. was better. I, I want well you see I don't mind that except for the the Trojan crest. I kind of understand what, what the what uh James McKelvey who designed that costume was thinking in that he was doing something that was reminiscent of the original Captain Marvel, the mm-hmm. actual Marvel guy, and also she already had a costume like that though her re- her red one. Mm-hmm. Okay, well this is something that we just have to agree to disagree. I know that's kind of surprising, right, folks? Two people on the internet agreeing to disagree. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand people have yeah. different like. My thing is that like as to get into another conversation about sexualization of characters, oh, I yeah. personally aren't up like my thing with if you have an issue with if you have an issue with female characters particularly being more sexualized but the thing you i don't think you have a merit in an argument if unless they are being disrespected while they look like that because many times for example i can't stand the artist ed bennis Mm -hmm. who drew birds of prey for a long time and does sexualize his characters, but and it seems like he sexualizes them in a very, I mean, the fact like they're like these dead doll eyes that he gives them. That How do you spell his name? Uh, Ed Benes, B-N-E-S. Whereas Amanda Connor also sexualizes her characters, but there's personality and there's fun. Oh, no, I really, oh, Ed Benes, oh, yeah, I recognize her. I actually kind of really like his art. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. But, I mean, I think there are ways to draw a character for cheesecake and beefcake purposes that are positive and ways that are negative. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, also, I feel like if you're going to hire Milo Minara to do your alternate cover, you have no right to be outraged by the fact that he created a highly sexualized Spider Woman. I'm just saying is yeah. I'm like, isn't he? Doesn't he do smut art? Yes. Well, that's the thing. He is a sexual. He was. A, he's a highly sexualized 
uh, artist. So yeah. don't go to a person known for a certain type of art and get upset because he gives you that certain type of art. Yeah, like I'm like y'all y'all know J. Scott Campbell loves to draw females very attractive and very posed a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I I enjoy his art and I definitely do not I would not discredit that man. I love Gen 13. Yeah, I need to read that. I've was heard very good things about it and okay, I need to But and I think I'd like to see like for example, uh we we keep mentioning Monica. Yeah, Rambo. Um I would like to see her lead a team again. Yeah. I think she recently, like, I don't know if they depowered her or something along those lines. Oh, not again. But, last time, but I think the last last time I seen her that she said she was okay with being regular or something like that. But the only cute moment was that the fact that she, her and Blue Marvel are a couple currently. Yeah. But it's... I would like, because I'd like to see her lead a team of Avengers. I'd like to see... Um, you know, if they're going to bring back Alpha Flight as Alpha Flight and not as that space thing they've got. Thank please, God. Cause... Oh, God. That, that made no sense. It's like, okay, I understand. I wasn't even going to. I wasn't even going to. I didn't even bother reading. I just said, I'm not going to have a headache. They're not going to get on my right. nerves. I mean, my, two, my, my favorite character in the original Alpha Flight was Aurora. You know, North Star's sister. Yeah, another thing about mental illness, I think Aurora was, like, I think they, like, but they tend to only do, they also, their branch of using certain mental illnesses that they use is literally, like, one note, because right. always multiple personality disorder. Well, we will once again, I, I have some issues with John Byrne. <laughs> once again, I, it, it, it's, he's one of these people that I admire his work. I think that, like I said, he's responsible for one of the best, uh, runs of any comic book in the 70s uh, Mm -hmm. period but he has some problems which is he 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 has very specific ideas of how things should should go and he's not willing to to um acknowledge that that uh, that the editorial the larger picture of the world has a different opinion yeah, which, which is why we got uh, the vision as a toaster again. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I th- I think I mean I I don't know because she's like in Strike Force, is it now? Uh, uh, Monica? Monica? Yeah, yeah, Monica's in Strike Force. I need to read that because there's a couple people I like that's in Strike Force. Yeah, but that that's that's. Blade's team. Blade is leading that team, right? Yeah, and I love and you know love me some Blade. Mhm. Well, let's be honest. We would not have the superhero explosion in cinema that we have today if it wasn't for the fact that Blade did pretty well, and other people said, "Hey, let's take a look at some of these other characters." I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, we credit Blade in the first X Men movie for well, I think how it, for go how ahead, go it blew ahead. up for how much it blew up. Yeah, but even I think though that I if, can't stand mo- a lot of those movies, even though I mm-hmm. cannot stand a lot of those movies, I like two. I like one and two. I yeah. like parts of three. Three is a problem for me. I like I first think, class. 
No, I hate first class. Okay, I, that's I, fine. But see, okay, admittedly, it doesn't do well for representation. As I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, yeah. No, not even just that. Not even just that. It's the fact that the things that they did right in first class is Professor Xavier and Magneto. Perfect casting, right. great actors. They were great on screen. That's what they did right. Everything else was just. I don't know whose idea was it to hire Jennifer Lawrence for Mystique, and that that was a no. Um, but you see, okay, if let's because the original intention was that first class was going to be a total reboot, and yeah. they weren't going to fold it back into the the, pre, the previous trilogy. Okay, yeah, I, had, I understood that. And in fact, um, Michael Rich, Michael Ritchie, not Michael Ritchie. Um, what's this? The guy who did first class had already started planning what they were going to be calling X Men Second Class, which was going to take place during the seventies. And was going to have a uh, black exploitation kung fu vibe, as opposed to the '60s spy vibe that they had in that in mm-hmm. the first film. And if they had continued as if this was an entirely different timeline, this is a total reboot. It might have been respected a lot more than it is now. I think it was not even just that for me personally. Mm-hmm. It's the casting, like. It's the casting of certain things. Like I don't, I didn't see people's places and people's their place didn't match. Like I never looked at Sean Cassidy as a child. I don't think Sean Cassidy should ever be like we should ever get a teenage perspective because I see no reason. Sean Cassidy had to have been a child at some point. I understand that, but I'm like I've never like he's never been a teenager or in a a young adult in anywhere. So I feel like an older man in in the yeah. Yes, I understand what you're saying. Even Sean Cassidy, Mystique should not be, like, I don't know what this obsession was with accelerating Mystique to be a hero or anti-hero, but Mm -hmm. Mystique is a, Mystique is a fucked up bitch, and I do respect her and, like, as a character, but Mystique has done some foul things. I think Mystique is a pansexual. Definitely, I would say, yeah, Mystique more might be pansexual or, like, yeah, because Mystique is also a shapeshifter. Her, her her biggest romance and probably her big defining romance was a lesbian with Destiny. one. Yeah, with Destiny. Yeah, but I think that, that, that the fact that she is a shapeshifter, that I think a shapeshifter, person who's a shapeshifter, change, it changes your perception of the world. Yeah, but I think also she has a great story, Evan. She can also explore mental... They did a little bit of it in the Uncanny in 2017 where her constant shifting and her identity changing shifted mm-hmm. the way her mind is and affects. And also, that's what I love about House of X, that what they're doing, especially as far as Hellion, which I wasn't yeah. like too fond of when I first heard it, which I still mm-hmm. would replace certain people to get off that team to put other people that deserve that spot. Um, mm-hmm. The way mutant powers affect their mental. Right. And I think that's a very good thing to explore about how powers themselves, especially mutant mm-hmm. powers they're born with, affect the way their their mental, their mental capacity and the way they process things. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a great thing. Uh, I think that's a great thing to explore. So many great themes to explore. But yeah, mm-hmm. Mystique's greatest relationship is with Destiny and is a lesbian. I feel like actually, to be honest, let me take back that I say she's a fucked I feel like corp- mm-hmm. corporation turned her into right. more of a villainous character than some say characters were meant to be. I feel like her throwing Nightcrawler off of a bridge came off the fact that they didn't want to write her as Rogue's her biological parent with Destiny right. because she's a shapeshifter. Right. Although, 
theoretically it could be it could be true. But... Yes, yeah, still they could rewrite that, but like mm-hmm. they didn't want that as as far as when the comics code authority existed. And I feel like that branched off into a derailing of her as a character. Maybe right. maybe like saying not like say that she's a villain, but to mm-hmm. paint her to give her the a bad mother trope. What did you think, think of, very... the, of the Mystique solo series? I loved it from okay. start. To, I loved it start to finish. I personally, the one thing that bothers me is um, yeah. Mystique's relationship with Forge, just because the way the Forge's disrespect of Storm. Mm-hmm. Again, I do not like characters that disrespect, especially Storm. Right. So like, and especially him, like she would. I couldn't believe that he would literally get with her after he threw their relationship. She threw their relationship in his face, mm-hmm. and he still got. I why, how, do you not respect yourself enough to not? Uh, if, if you respected the relationship you had, even if it ended badly, why would right. you engage with someone that repeatedly disrespected that relationship? Mm-hmm. And so. also, that's another one that I brought up to you earlier: the fact that again, like about characters that don't. Storm and Forge got together after just like maybe one issue. Right. And but okay, I'll just put this out in the ether. The fact that that she gets into the relationship with the man who took away her powers. That boggles boggles my mind. Yeah, plays into that whole Chris Claremont has a thing about mentally dominating women. Yes, and suffocating women. That actually, that is a very good point because. Storm is one of the examples of mutants that loves her powers. Mm-hmm. So for that, she was literally on panel depressed about losing losing that part of herself for days, mm-hmm. weeks maybe, possibly months. And for her to get with the man, like I understand maybe forgiving him, mm-hmm. but to get with him was like... Mm. But... So we've talked about a lot of stuff today, Marquise, mm-hmm. and I th- still think there's lots more that we we need to t- we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and through me talk to the people in the Two True Freaks Network Potosphere. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you for having me. And maybe if we can get together again and talk more about mental illness in comics. Definitely, I will definitely open to do this more than once. Okay, and um, is there anything that you would like to plug or um, publicize? Well, a couple, just a couple things. Stan Storm, the Hadorial, love her to death, and mm-hmm. also, please reach out to all. Like, please try to donate to like the Breonna Taylor case, the George. To all the Black Lives Matter and all things of that nature that have been going on in the world, police brutality very needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. and and things like that. Like I said, you will find the conversation that we had with Brian Trenchard Smith very interesting on July first. I think you will mm-hmm. find that a very interesting and satisfying conversation we had. But uh, until next. Whenever I ha- whenever something like this happens and I, I meet somebody interesting that I have a conversation with that I think is pertinent to the geek culture as a whole, I will continue to bring it to you guys. And until next time, please be safe.
be empathetic. If you don't take care of other people, how will you expect other people to take care of you when you need the help? Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.